Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides you, our listeners, a space to learn about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor, and I am joined here with my fabulous co-host, Tara Lee Weathers. Hello, everyone. Yay. Hi. Hello. I am really excited for the listeners to hear this podcast. I feel like it was so special because we really got an inside look of what it's like to be a member of the Deitch family. Yes, you guys are in for such a treat. We have our first multi-guest interview today, and it is with a family of musicians, the Deitches. So we have Bobby Deitch and Denise Deitch and their son, Adam Deitch. Like, I feel like, you know, just having any one of them on would have been awesome, but to have all three of them was super special. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who the Deitches are. Yeah, well, they are a magical family hailing from Nyack, New York. <laughs> and the <laughs> father, his name is Bobby, and he has his own band, the Bobby Deitch Band. And he has been playing music pretty much since the day he was born and sharing music. And he just had a new album that has come out. It's their second album, and it's called Work With What You Got, and it's reached global acclaim. There is a lot of amazing people that are on it. His son is on it as well and George Porter Jr. and Nigel Hall and Michelangelo Karuba from Turquoise and Shira and Haley Jane and Stephen Swatkins. So it's just, I mean, when they talk, it's kind of like everybody who they know who's a musician, they're like friends and family with. So no wonder his career has been so supported by all these amazing people. Yeah, there's a lot of love and support and connection there that comes from them. So who else is in the Deitch family? So Denise is the matriarch of the family. That's Bobby's wife and Adam's mom. And she went to Berkeley School of Music and has also been, she's in the Bobby Deitch band too. And she also has been playing forever and she's been in funk bands and she plays drum and percussion and I think like a whole bunch of other instruments. And I love the way that Adam had spoke about her. Yeah, that was really inspiring how like she was really his role model for drums and percussion growing up. And so then, of course, there's Adam Deitch. Yes, and he is a record producer and drummer who is based in Denver, Colorado. And he's a drummer for the bands Lettuce and Break Science and has played with Pretty Lights and probably a million others that I don't even know about. Um, and he's worked in hip-hop, jazz, electro-pop, and jazz genres. And he collaborates with rappers. And he was nominated for a Grammy in 2010. Like, he just has done so many things and has thrived since the day what you'll learn about his first performance in fifth grade in front of 500 or not fifth grade kindergarten right he was five kindergarten in front of 500 people yeah amazing what a great start and yeah what an what an amazing musical family it was such a treat to be able to sit down and again, talk to all of them and to really just feel the love from them and the the passion that they have for live music and and how it's used as a healing modality that was really, really special. Yeah, I thought that was the coolest part that like Adam was taught from a young age that almost like your job as a musician is 
to also be a healer. And that's like your way of bringing healing is through music. And his parents taught him that. And it sounds like even the generations before it's been taught that so it's like in their blood totally and you can you can feel it I've I mean I've had healing experiences at their shows before yeah yeah I just got goosebumps as you were saying that because it just it's so deep and as you mentioned it really has kind of come down through their lineage and I just wonder like how far back that goes I know sometimes you just want a time machine so you can go back and experience a concert of their families yeah exactly and see like where that where that seed started but it's so awesome that they you know get to keep it rolling and keep it going and and so yeah our conversation was really sweet to have all of them together yeah and totally like all you listeners out there, you're totally going to fall in love with them. Like each and every one of them, you are going to be madly in love with. They're just like the most incredible humans. Yeah. So I'm so glad we were able to have all three of them on because I really feel like it It just added an extra special element. Yeah. And they are like, I mean, we always ask guests who are all about like live in the groove therapy lifestyle and they are like that to one trillion percent. Yeah. Yay. so we can't wait for you guys to listen to that interview stay tuned for that and in the meantime Tara Lee I have a question for you I know the listeners will be curious too like do you have anything going on that you'd like to talk about professionally yes so thank you so much for asking Um, right now I am launching a course it's called the microdosing magic mind my life has completely changed when I discovered the magic of microdosing with psilocybin and it like it just shifted so many areas of my life including my work and my relationships and my mental health and so I'm really excited to be able to share this with the world (laughs) in this way and I have also partnered with a nurse who specializes in psychedelics um, to create an even safer space because there was a lot of things that I didn't know. And so I wanted to make sure that in this course, we are providing the safest way to be able to have people experiment with this if it's something that they feel so there is the least amount of harm possible to happen. And I want to read a disclaimer before we even talk about this more. And the disclaimer is psilocybin is a largely illegal substance and we do not encourage or condone its use where it is against the law. However, we accept that illegal drug uses occur and believe that offering responsible harm reduction information is imperative to keeping people safe. For that reason, we are here to ensure the safety of those who decide to use psilocybin. And so that is exactly what this course is. And we have a self-study course as well as a six-week immersive experience um, where you get full support and I mean, it's so much more than just a course on psilocybin. It's also a life coaching course at the same time and how to implement all of those areas in your life in so many different ways. So I'm I'm super excited about it. Um, and you can find it on my website at rockinglife.com. Or if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm posting about it all the time. And my Instagram is at rockinglife with two underscores after. Nice. Well, that is super exciting. And I wouldn't expect anything less than, you know, it being really a a life coaching course and how you can take it and make it part of your life and be supported in that. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yes, thank you. And I'm super curious about what you're up to in your professional life. 
Yeah, well, thanks. I I just closed admission for the Shine Collective a couple of weeks ago, so I've really been diving into supporting the new members and the members that were already there in that, and that's kind of a, a group support virtual right now for really harnessing your inner sparkle. So it's really for live music fans that want to help create positive change in the world and it's both education, you know, I take all of the tools that you can use on the fly that I've learned in my mind-body medicine PhD program and help support people in being able to do that because most of the people are working, you know, and are busy professionals, but also live music fans, and they're not able to receive that medicine right now. So how they can help support themselves and trying to make this world a better place. And then there's also the group support too which is really nice. So that's happening. And I will be teaching Embodied Groove, uh, which will happen before this podcast comes out. But I am feeling the need to like help the people move uh, in, a, in a big way. So I have embodiedgroove.com that you can check out virtual offerings there. And then as I do it online, it's through Deadheadland, which is an awesome Facebook site and also just regular site. So Deadheadland TV. And I'm happy to have that platform to be able to do Embody Groove and help the people shake some stuff off. That's going to be our theme for this Sunday. Yeah, people definitely need to be shaking things off. There's a lot that has been weighed on. And so I'm so grateful for all the work that you do in the world with the Shine Collective and also Embodied Groove. And I know our listeners, that's like going to totally resonate with them. So everyone should definitely check that out. Yeah. And you could follow me on Instagram at Dr. Leah Taylor. And um, I'm on Facebook too as uh, Dr. Leah Taylor. And Embodied Groove has its own Facebook page too. Wonderful. And we also, this podcast has its own Facebook group as well. So if you want to head on over to Groove Therapy Podcast Community, we would love to have you be a part of our community so we can share and support each other and talk about all the things that we talk about during this podcast. And we are also on Instagram and that is at Groove Therapy Podcast. So follow us and check out our stories and, um, we love you and we're grateful for you following us. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and all the other ways that you can possibly subscribe to us, leave a review, share it with all your friends. We'd be so grateful. And we also, I want to give a shout out to the Osiris Network for always supporting us and follow them at osirispod.com. Yeah, for sure. And for any of our female live music fans or, uh, you know, female loving live music fans and female centrics is back from osiris don has a new episode out so definitely go check that out and support female centrics the other female hosted osiris podcast but for now you are here to listen to the deiches so we're gonna take you right over to that interview And we are back with the Deitch family. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have this conversation. And let me just tell you that this is our first like group interview. So it's been so sweet to hear you guys just see each other for the first time in a long time yeah. and say hello. Hello there. Thanks for having us, Leah and Tara Lee. We were very happy yes, to be I'm here. I'm so glad that that this is happening now. Yeah, Tara Lee, you've kind of been setting this up for a little while. And I know that you had originally reached out to Adam 
And then Bobby got in touch with you. Bobby, you had listened to one of the episodes. Is that right? Yeah, actually, my publicist is Katie Fox. So uh, when I heard the the the, uh, the podcast with Katie, I, I I hit her up and she said, "Oh, you got you really should uh, contact them and see if, if uh, you you know they'd be interested in having us also." So that's uh, that's how that went down. Yeah, and I loved her podcast because she talked so much about how to save live music right now in this time where we can't do live music in the way that it was before. So. How are you? What are you all doing to have live music happen in your lives? Well, uh, I, I guess I can go first because Adam has probably has most of the stuff to say. Um, I, I'm not working uh, out. I'm not playing out as, at all right now. We did something a little bit earlier with one of the, you know, I, I, I'm in three or four different uh, performing groups. And uh, we did, you know, kind of Zoom type of video and audio. Um, but nothing live streaming yet. Um, and no, we did one thing at the Hudson, uh, amphitheater, the Hudson river. Right. We did. Yeah. Yeah. That was way back. That was back in uh, May or right. July or yeah. something like that. Socially distanced concert. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, go ahead, Adam, you can good, share some stuff. You're playing all the time. Yeah. I, I'm just very fortunate to be in, a in Denver and, you know, friends with some of the club owners and, and promoters out here, especially my good friend, Scott Morrill, who owns Cervantes. And he uh, got with the health inspectors and had them inspect, you know, Cervantes, his, his venue and, and see how we could set it up for socially distant shows. Um, you know, having 40 people in a room that holds a thousand and, um, tables spread out apart 30 feet apart or something like that 15 feet apart and then the 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 fans have to be about 25 feet from the stage and what you know they came in the health inspectors came in and and they had a little board and they check 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 it's all good and i've been doing shows there um with different local bands that i've been putting together of great musicians that live here and I've been playing for the past two months have felt, I would say normal, but normal for me is being on a plane every day or on a tour bus. So in a way it's almost more fun than normal. I don't know. Cause I get to go home at the end of the night and go to my house and um, eat the food that I bought at the food store and cook, you know, stuff like that. So I, I don't, you know, I don't take that for granted and uh, it's great to, be able to do these little events on the weekends. I have three. I have three shows this weekend: Thursday, Friday, and Saturday um, at Cervantes, and uh, two shows a night. So it's six sets, and they're all like an hour and a half. So it's going to be a good workout, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, I'm just very thankful to be doing that, and I'm also recording a lot of stuff and sending things out and recording uh, stuff with Lettuce remotely and, and Break Science who also lives here, born lives here also. So we get to work on a new album and stuff like that. So that's what we're doing. But I'm sure my parents are jamming in the house or at least playing the drums, right? Every day, yeah. every day. Also, I've been doing some recording. I did some session, some drum session work for some friends. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, so, you know, and writing. I've been doing a lot of songwriting. 
you know, for those that don't know, my, my parents um, both play drums, but they also both play piano and they both sing and they both, my dad plays guitar. And so they, you know, having music in the house is like a, a normal thing. It's like, they're always either my mom's cooking, practicing her reading uh, with the drumsticks on the counter while she's uh, cooking or my dad's downstairs beating up the drums or recording his, you know, recording one of his many projects or doing something like that. So that's a very typical thing in the house. So you can't stop the Deitches. We, we, music will survive. Yeah, we're a force. There's right. no doubt about it. We're yeah. watching concerts every night after dinner on YouTube, just to <laughs> like you're at a venue, yeah. you know, watching a great musician's play. So you got to do work with what that's you got. That's right. Yeah, we're all kind of adapting to this new way of receiving music and you guys of playing music. And Adam, did it take you a while to like work up to where you're doing? Because I would imagine in the beginning where kind of everything stopped, you know, and now you're doing six sets in, in a weekend, like you said, that's a workout. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to be doing that. I mean, I, I didn't do anything for a few months, but I was working in my studio and um, I'm in my recording studio right now and just working on that stuff. And then the opportunity presented itself for an actual safe social distance event that was properly checked by health officials. And I was like, okay, great. I'm in, you know, it wasn't a backyard party or, uh, you know, an off the grid thing, driving thing, you know, it was, this was official. So I'm only doing official events. And, and so I'm happy to be. Yeah. Still going. And to actually Still circle moving. back. So when we had Katie on, she had just gone to see you the night before. That was like her first live music experience that she mm -hmm. had had. And so we were talking about, you know, like, what does live music mean to you? And she's like, well, actually, I can tell you because I just experienced it. And it was so awesome. And so she was really like juiced up and jazzed. And it was great to hear her experience. That's a lot of people have not heard live music in six to eight months prior to seeing us play. And the fact that it's, it's small and it sells out quick eliminates the people that would just go last minute just for the party and just to hang out and meet some people. And, oh, there's a band playing in the background. Who, uh, uh, who cares? Everyone's going. You know, and that's what it had kind of become. And now it's kind of back to, like, your core fan to really appreciate it that want to listen and they sit and they enjoy it. Sometimes they get up and dance at their table and it's just a, a wonderful healing experience. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about that? Cause before we started officially recording, you mentioned that you consider yourself a doctor. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. You're a family of doctors over here. <laughs> we are. Right. My mom's right. middle name is Bruce. <laughs> Denise Ruth, Dr. Deitch. <laughs> But, you know, we're, you know, besides uh, our lifelong of studying music and my parents teaching me everything uh, they knew, like um, worlds of, of music and, and so much out there, but they did their best to, you know, expose me to all the music they could. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's to be a doctor of something, you have to study, you know, your craft and, and really know everything you can about what you do and and uh and also being aware of when you perform you are a healer you are giving people an experience that they will hold the rest of their life you know hopefully and if you project that you know 
as you're performing as opposed to getting into your head and say, am I doing good or am I impressing people or all those other thoughts try to creep in and you have to push those away and, and realize that you, your main goal is to heal people and to make them feel good and make them go home and feel good and interact with their loved ones in a, in a better way. And it just has a butterfly effect, if you will. Yeah. Lynn, Bobby and Denise, do you feel like when you're performing your music as well, that you are also healing the people? That's a no doubter. As a matter of fact, even as a songwriter, I have to say, you know, I, I, I'm very well aware of chords and chord changes that affect people psychologically. Um, how music is put together, you know, uh, you know, my education in, in music is, you know, pretty vast. And, and I, I've studied it to the point where I, I really know how what chord progressions affect different people in different ways. Uh, you know, how my lyrics are affecting people. I'm very aware of how I write my lyrics. Um, it's very calculated, very uh, planned out, I would say. Yeah, so yes, uh, all of the above. Yeah, performing and writing, the same, you know. My dad has written many tunes based on the healing theme and being great, like the song, you know, the album Grateful is, is a good example of that. Um, how a lot of the songs, um, they, they dig deep into what he's dealt with in his life and how that can relate to other people. So my, my dad has definitely been on the healing vibe with, with music for yeah, a while. Yeah, I think that's one of the most powerful things with music is it, it allows us to feel. And like it puts us in touch with emotions either that we need to feel or that we want to feel. And it, it really brings us right into like that emotional experience. And and that's why we remember it too, because we actually remember things because of the, you know, the way that they make us feel. Mm -hmm. Like if, if we have a, a memory or an experience where there's an emotional connection, we're going to actually remember it more so than if somebody just tells us something that doesn't mean anything to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, you know, for example, take, take any movie that you've seen and extract the music out of that, you know, take, you know, delete it and see, see if the scene affects you the same way as if you add the music back in. It's, yeah. it's, it's huge. It's very, very. And it's always so, I always find it so interesting how like I can be moved just by one note or even like the silence in between a note like that also i mean that's music too you know otherwise music would just be a bunch of noise if there was no silent like that silent part can get me or one note or one word that someone said or a drum beat that they played and it just it's like it's speaking your universal language mm -hmm. of love and healing and if you're receptive to it that will change you forever yeah that's a great point tara lee is about the silence Absolutely. too mm -hmm. you know because that's that's so important you know it's almost like the difference between uh, a conversation where somebody is just talking at you and talking at you and not really, you know, getting any feedback. You know, it's not, it's more like a, a monologue than a dialogue. Right. We all know people like that, that talk nonstop, but the same thing when <laughs> you're performing, <laughs> when, you, when you're performing, you know, live and you add some silence occasionally during the track or during the song, you know, it's very, very powerful. And then people seem to, rush towards it like a magnet, you know, it has a huge effect psychologically. We worked together for many, many years, Bobby and I. I, I was actually the drummer when we worked together. He played keys and guitar and uh, 
I remember telling Adam, I said, when you have a room full of people and everybody's dancing, it's such a joyous feeling when you're the drummer because you know you're such a part of that. And there's such a vibe, you know, going back and forth. It's such a beautiful thing. I do miss that. I miss yeah. seeing people dance, you know. Yeah, it's a huge give and take. You know, you can Zoom is just, you know, missing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up watching my mom play drums a lot because when they when we played in the house, that you know, they would take turns playing drums. But when they performed and how they made their living, my mother was the drummer. And, um I grew up watching her play and idolizing her as, you know, and, you know, I looked at her as the consummate professional and, you know, she always played the songs beautifully with, with taste and, and good, good feel, as we say in music, you know, um, so that, that was an amazing experience. And, and I just wanted to let you guys make sure you guys knew that. <laughs> and then Adam has taken it to the millionth level above that. <laughs> I had a good head start. Children to take it to the next As it level. should be. As it should be, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good, definitely a good head start in life to play music. The foundation. We gave you the foundation. That's it. Yeah, I want to be an adopted member of your family. You're all so supportive and <laughs> amazing and beautiful. Right. Next time you're in the area, come over. My parents were sort of like the parents of the community also for all my friends and um, that some of them had never really seen a, a family like this and, you know, parents that were together and loved each other and, and you know, music in the house and good food flowing, good food flowing, you know, around, you know, and so for a lot of my friends, it was the first time they got to see that. Yeah. And, uh, so in that way, they're like a, a very healing as well. So like the whole community of Nyack and, and, and also my friends from, from Lettuce and Break Science. And, and, you know, they've gotten to call them mom and dad as well. And, and you know, so they, they've always been a, a huge part of that, you know, sent bring love and, and, and showing the community, you know, how this family, the dynamic works. Yeah, this is actually, um, this idea has come up a lot. And I, I think our past like couple of podcasts um, of how when you have this like, safe, supportive, beautiful environment that it makes you feel safe to take risks, which is why people love improvisational music. When you trust a musician and you feel safe, you're able to like find that healing because you trust them to take you to that place. And also the live music community is so beautiful and amazing because you also feel safe with the other people that are there to love music. So you also feel safe to express yourself and you can have, you can cry, you can laugh, you can scream. It's like whatever is coming up and it feels like you all as a collective family have like done that because you feel like Adam, you felt so safe growing up. So you were able to take risks and, and really mm -hmm. go for it. And, and that sounds like you've done that also Bobby and Denise, you've done that for like so many people in the world and, and so many other musicians and people and friends and family members. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a life of work. So mm -hmm. it's a, you know, it's, 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 it's the gift that keeps on giving, I guess you want to say the gift of music. Right. Yeah. And it, it allows the people who come to receive your music to like settle into that too, you know, because I think whether they know it consciously or not, they can feel that safety and that, that, you know, respect. And plus, you know, you guys are really talking about having this like intention of healing and, and really seeing this as like a really special experience and taking it seriously. And 
you know, I know you guys are all trained. You all went to the Berkeley School of Music. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. And 60 credits above my uh, master's. Yeah. Didn't get my doctorate, though. Yeah. So you're very close. You're, you're exhausted. I couldn't do any more. <laughs> closer to your doctorate than me and dad, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's right. Right on. Yeah. And is that something that that's kind of taught, you know, to like really see music as the healing experience? Or is that something that you guys really kind of added on your own? I think it evolved into that. You know, I think when you're a kid and you put on your favorite song and you're not so happy and then all of a sudden you get so happy and that just starts, that's just plants the seed of how music uh, affects you emotionally. So personal thing. And then it, when you're playing it and you see other people are happy, symbiotic thing that goes on. Yeah. The first part of your life is like you are being healed by the music. You are accepting it into your body, into your cell structure. And, you know, hearing Steve Wonder and Earth, Wind and & Fire and feeling those feelings. And then, then you go through a phase where I want to jam along with this. I want to play with these records and, and put the headphones on and, and be a part of it. And then you start playing the music out in front of people and you notice the reaction, like Mom said. So it's like a different, you know, three phases of like, first you, you, you just hear it and love it. Then you want to be a part of it. Then you give that experience to other people. Yeah. And then you get so good at it, you get to play with those people in real life yeah. that you played recordings, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get lucky right. you get to play with people like George Porter and, and uh, John Schofield and stuff like that. And, and you know, those are heroes that I've had since, you know, I was a child. Um, uh, Lettuce is working on a song with Bootsy Collins right now who's uh, pretty much the inventor of funk, you know, one of the, he's on the Mount Rushmore of funk and soul music. And, and uh, yeah, we've been like corresponding through email and he's such a sweetheart and just, it's just pretty amazing, but you know, it all goes back to the healing element. And, you know, if you put that out into the world, hopefully that comes back. That's right. Mm -hmm. Keep that funk alive. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, Adam, most of your music primarily is instrumental. Is that correct? I mean, I, I know you have some words, but. Um, I mean, I've, you know, performed with singers my whole life and rappers my whole life. And um, the music that I, I tend to put out on my own, you know, or like with my groups has been primarily instrumental, um, which has benefited us in places like Japan where they don't speak English and you know, all over Europe and Korea and like, because they, they, you know, the language barrier can be like, oh, you know, what are they saying? And, and but with, with the saxophone playing a melody or the guitar playing a melody, they could sing it and, and they could feel a part of it and the essence of it. So um, I never had planned to do instrumental music and I've had some sort of um, ego issues with singers a lot, that, you know, called LSD, Lee Singer's Disease. (laughs) (laughs) Where, you know, like you build something to a point where everyone's together and then the lead singer is like, they want to be, you know, the boss of everything, you know. So I was just like, you know, I've been doing music my whole life and and, um, I don't need a boss, you know, I just need collaborators. Right. That's what it should be. Yeah, that's what it should be, you know, and... I still believe that singer or rapper will come into my life at some point in the right way, 
with the right attitude and the right vibe, you know. Well, we and, love well, Nigel singing. We love Nigel. Well, Nigel, yeah, Nigel is the greatest singer I've ever worked with closely. And uh, he's just, he, I'm a family member. He might as well be a Nigel Deitch at this point. Um, and he actually, uh, he actually, you know, we have a wall down outside my studio. It's painted black and we have people that come over and, you know, you guys can feel free if you're ever in the area and sign the wall. Mm-hmm. I think Nigel signed it. Nigel Hall Deitch. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It's official. But yeah, I wonder too, because like language affects a different part of our brain than like say music. So I just, I'm curious. I mean, myself as a dancer, like I feel like I can almost get more into music that doesn't have words, you know, mm-hmm. like I can just kind of fall into my body and, and not have to be transferring back and forth into that area of my brain. And I don't know, cause I haven't hooked myself Absolutely. up to any. I mean, you know, uh, classical music, for instance, like, you know, in ballet, you know, a lot of it was, was instrumental and, um, you know, it was around for thousands of years and, and, um, you know, it, it all has its place. You know, a, a great song played with an acoustic guitar and sung is a beautiful thing. And then you have, you know, um, something like break science, which is like electronic dance music. And, and people still get a kick out of it and dance and sweat. And they feel relieved after the show. Like, I got all that out and I let my body just go, you know. And it's a nice so it all has its place, you know. Go ahead, Dan. I was just saying it's a great release. When they, yeah. you know, when they felt that way, that when they're leaving the show, and then there's great lyricists, which yeah. affect everybody, you know. Absolutely, your father's a great lyricist, and you know, Carol King, Stevie Wonder, you know, goes on and on. So that's also a, a beautiful thing too to to relate to a lyric of a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of people that can really like grab onto like uh, a lyric of a song that like can use it as their motto and it's like can help them get through such tough things in their life, you know, and they'll like just come back and back and back. And then also I, I was just dancing with, I have a women's dance circle last night and, you know, there's so much going on in our world right now, especially our United States. And we need that release, like literally for, for, since the beginning of time, we've been moving our bodies to whatever it was, whether it's our own heartbeat or the crackle of the fire, or, you know, eventually percussion came and then, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it helps us to release that stress and it helps us to release that trauma. Yeah. Um, so I love that whether music has words or it doesn't have words, like it can be so healing and so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, my mom is a great dancer also. And, you know, she can, you know, she's got the funk, she got the groove, and she can do the Lindy Hop and all the, <laughs> all the, you know. So I grew up watching her dance around the house to music, and and uh, that was always a big influence on me. Come, you know, making a connection between dance and drumming and music, and and how that all relates together. And uh, thing is a dance. You know, yeah, I just became enthralled with that, and that's why a lot of the music I make is very danceable. Mm. Um, I owe that to mom. Hmm. Yeah, I've definitely had a releasing experience to break science when I was on Jam Cruise one time. I was having a little bit of a hard time and then I went and there was like aerialist, I think, and and that was really cool. And then I just remember dancing and then leaving. Like one of you described it this way that when you left, I was just like, <sighs> like, I feel so much better now. It like cured me. 
And you get it from the lyricists too. Like, I mean, that's why people get lyrics tattooed on their body. Like the words mean so much that they want it permanently on their body. So there's definitely a huge power in that too. That's why people cry in their car to someone like you by Adele, like over and over and over again, because <laughs> those words really resonated with them. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all influences on my writing too. You know, yeah. so, uh, you know, I, I listen very carefully when I listen to, to lyrics and chord changes and all that kind of thing. I listen so carefully, you know, sometimes to a fault, I think. He also but, teaches yeah. songwriting at, at Rockland Community College for yeah. years. Yeah. Well, this is a good segue to we ask um, all of our guests this question. So I want to ask it to each of you. What was your like the first live music experience that you had where you were just like, yeah, this is what it's all about. And you all grew up in a music family, so it might just be like, when I was born. <laughs> but I don't know if you have a specific <laughs> moment. Well, well, that, that, that would be my story. It would be, you know, <laughs> seeing my parents play was probably my first live experience, you know, until they started bringing me, uh, you know, and playing with them was my first right. live, live experience. Like my kindergarten concert oh. uh, performed in front of the entire school. It's on YouTube if you want to check it out. <laughs> My dad talked my principal into letting the entire school take off from class for the day. And I would perform with my dad on, on he played guitar and piano and, and, uh, and the entire school lit up. Like it was like a festival. It was, it was, it must've been like four or 500 kids, right? Probably. Oh, definitely. It was a the whole school. Yeah. Yeah. Like my first show at five years old. So that was a, a major turning point for me and left, left a really good, impression on me and maybe want to continue that but I, i'm curious what mom what was your first live music experience first live experience oh my god hmm when i was a kid i don't remember i just being a teenager going to see sly and the family stone and saying this is it i don't know what else is there anything more than this <laughs> this is it it yeah. was they're also on the mount rushmore of funk and oh, soul sure. they yeah, created a movement you know, and a lot of the bands that I love, you know, and and lettuce wouldn't exist without Sly and the Family Stone. Right. So, right. So that was, you know, Mama was let me know how important that that concert was to her, and mm -hmm. how and the feeling that that it, the impression it left yeah, on her. Yeah. What What was it about that concert specifically? It just was so uplifting, and everybody was dancing, and the music was so great. And my my parents let me out that night to do this with my <laughs> friends. You know, it was incredible. It was just and they were the first interracial band, right? Um, yeah, they were equally mixed with white and black people, and and uh, the world had never seen that before. Mm. I guess you know, growing up in the Bronx, you, your classrooms were like that, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me to see that but when you realize that wasn't normal or or acceptable in most places it was pretty cool you know that that was happening then it was cool to grow up in the bronx there was a lot of music um acapella singing in the streets all the time a bunch of guys always i was always listening how do you sing that part i try to listen to the harmony parts and try to figure cool. it out and that was very cool my dad oh, yeah. booked um, Sly and the Family Stone at Fairleigh Dickinson. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. When he was in college, he was in charge. That's amazing. Wow. That's, um, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, you know, we always, you know, the, the three of us talk a lot about, you know, bass players and drummers that play together because, 
they, they tend to be always the foundation of most bands. And, and, and for me, Sly and the Family Stone, to have Gregor Rico and Larry Graham playing together. Oh, my God. I mean, that was, you know, just that, that, that blew me away to hear those two as the foundation for Sly and the Family Stone. Pretty great. Yeah. And what was your first live music experience, Dad? I'd have to say, you know, I have a, an uncle, my mother's brother, who was a professional drummer. And back in the radio days, uh, in the 1930s, he had a weekly radio show with his band on, on CBS. And, uh, and then when, when I was 10 years old, they took me to Florida where he was living. And it was New Year's Eve. And I just remember them taking me into this hotel in Miami. And he was playing with his band. And uh, that's probably the first time I ever saw live, live music. Mm. It was my own uncle performing. You know, and that, that that's it. That, for me, that was it. You know, I said, you know, this is what I want to do. <laughs> and I'll never forget when Adam was born, I showed him that video of him doing the, the school concert when he was oh, in yeah. kindergarten. And, and uh, my, my uncle, you know, at the time he was pretty old at that point, mm -hmm. maybe in his 80s. And, and uh, he just started crying. Because it know? was passed on. From he could see that it was passed on you know? another two more generations. Mm -hmm. Because he passed it on to you, and to see it happen again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If he had any clue, which I'm sure he does in the spiritual world, of what you know, I've done over my lifetime at this point, I, I you know, I feel like he's like surrounding and been a, a comforting presence in my life from the spiritual world. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. he uh, we, we had very similar lives, where a lot of travel. Um, leading our own bands and, and be, you know, being, you know, uh, part of, of that process of what it's like to own something and be a part of something that you create. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, even though I never really, I don't remember meeting him, but it's, it's a, you know, it's an amazing spiritual passed on thing in my family. He was well aware of you, believe me. Yeah. I also love that you had a 500 person draw oh, yeah. when you were five. <laughs> well, it was a captivated, you know, audience. They they were they were happy to be out of class for the day, so for for the hour. You know. <laughs> well, you know, the, the story goes: I was really shy in class, and, and I wasn't um, being as social. Um, and the kindergarten teacher thought it would be good for my self esteem to bring in. Uh, they, she says, bring in his drum to, to my dad. Have him bring in the drum. Like, I'm going to bring in a drum. Drum. Because <laughs> she said he, he didn't have fine motor skills. And we said, yeah. I was holding the, the crayon like this instead of like this. You know, he didn't like crayons. So she took My parents are thinking yeah. of like motor skills, but he's playing a full set of drums at the house every day. <laughs> you know, how could he have bad motor skills? So they, my dad says, you know, my, it was, well, whose idea was it to bring, to do the class thing? Was that mom or dad? I think I, I said, okay, he'll bring in his drum and do a little, play something. And the principal walked by and heard you. A full drum and he was so excited. Yeah. yeah. He was so excited that he said, that's, it wasn't dad who begged him. He said, can Adam play for the school? And we went, ah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if he'd be up to it or whatever. We asked, you want to do that? Oh, yeah, sure. He didn't even know what he was getting into. Yeah. And uh, it just changed the way my whole social 
thing was and the amount of love I received from the entire school, you know, a very integrated school with all kinds of, you know, cultures and, and everything and just feeling the love across the board and being known as were you nervous though? Were you nervous before you I did didn't that? Know what nervous, I didn't know what nervous was. was. I didn't. I didn't even know what to expect. I, I was five. Right. Know? That's true. I think you, you handled yourself like the consummate pro you are. He was talking to the audience and he was singing along while he was playing. And I, okay. <laughs> I think it was like part of you know at home he played a lot. So well, it was do you just. Remember, did we rehearse for this dad? Did we? I don't remember rehearsing. We probably did. We probably did. You know, we, we you know, we had Mr. M happening. You know, <laughs> New York, New York. <laughs> we had a couple songs that the kids would know. You know, like uh, Pac-Man Fever. The, the video game Pac-Man was out in the early '80s. You know, and we did a song called Pac-Man Fever, and the whole crowd screamed it and like sang along. So it was like a sing along, and just a love fest. You know, and uh, it just changed my entire demeanor and. You know, getting all that adulation and you know love from everybody was a, a game changer for me, and it, it made me want to concentrate and be a musician from like five years old. Later. Yeah, your teacher thought you were going to come in with like a pot and a pan, and then here you come just exactly. like slaying exactly. it and giving them the best concert that's probably ever happened at that school. Oh, crazy, <laughs> really, really funny. It's very cute. <laughs> yeah and how cool was it that, that you could like bring in something that had that could create such an emotional reaction for those kids you know like they weren't expecting to hear pac-man and then yeah. all of a sudden here you are and they're like oh, yeah. whoa yeah. like yeah. Right. you know so cool and yeah it's just there's that emotional expression it's like they're going crazy and then you're feeling it and it's mm -hmm. like and the love back and forth you know i think that's that like reciprocal experience yeah and, and then we decided to do it again the next year in first grade and then in second grade my parents were the backing band and i was the lead singer and i tried that out right. you know i tried my <laughs> and that that was a little nerve-wracking for me being out front you know like i couldn't yeah. handle that that was the first time i felt nervous mm. you know you gotta dance you gotta move you gotta remember the lyrics you gotta sing you know it was like a little more a lot, pressure you know <laughs> A little more pressure, you know, so, um, you know, that, and then I went back third grade and fourth grade, my mom put together a band of her students that my mom is a talent scout for kids. <laughs> and she knows right away in five minutes if a kid is talented or not. And she loves to bring those talented kids together. And she's been doing that her whole life. And she set up a band for me with extremely talented um, young kids that she was teaching. Some were a little older. And uh, I started doing that. And that was kind of my first band experience with kids my own age. So, uh, yeah, that's on YouTube also. That? <laughs> Is that yeah, on that's YouTube? on YouTube. Yeah. I think that's yeah. up there. And I'm still friends with them. And the actual, what well, the keyboard player in that band in second, third grade, I think, was Jono. And he's the yeah. drummer in the Wood Brothers. Have you seen the Wood Brothers? They're amazing. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. them. Yeah, so the guy yeah, playing we're up for a Grammy. Percussion and drums. He played, keys then. he played keys in that yeah. little band. His father is a great musician, and he I guess he always wanted to jump on those drums, you know? Yeah, his and dad was uh, Bob Dylan's drummer mm -hmm. for years. But that's another, you know, example of you being a talent scout, Mom. Like, you, you, you knew he was good, you know? And you were like, oh, you're yeah. getting together with my son, and we're going to make it happen, you know? Yes. Yeah. 
So lots of early influences. Adam, did you always know that this was what you were going to do? I guess you said since kindergarten, that was it, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, he wanted to be a professional <laughs> skateboarder. Also. Yeah, I, wanted, I wanted to go to art school. I, really, I was drawing a lot, too. Yeah. And he drew and a lot, yeah. Art you know, I was obsessing over art, and my, I kind of was pushing towards doing art and animation and that sort of stuff, and, and my parents suggested I just try the Berkeley Summer Program and see what happens. And just to be here, because I wasn't around a plethora of kids that grew up in music, you know, growing up in Nyack, you know, people my own age. So I felt like kind of a weirdo and I felt like art was more accessible. You know, I knew a few artists at school and we would draw together, you know, and they were better than me. I like being around people that are better than me. Um, and then when I went to, I did the five week program, that's where all these musicians were, we were all 16 years old at school. And it was a high school summer program for, yeah. for and that's where I met the Let's Guys, and we clicked. Just like that. And I was like, you guys are weirdos like me. Like that. You know? <laughs> and I dropped him off in Boston, and I cried the entire way home because I knew, <laughs> I knew we his knew. life was going to change because he's so talented, and I knew if he's going to be around other talented people, it's going to be it. That's it. Which is important. And it's important to put, you know, your children or your family members around the people this, you know, who they're surrounded with is going to make them who they are, you know. And, you know, if you're into what, if you're into art, if you're into poetry, be around poets. If you're into art, be around artists, you know, like, and for me, it was be around the best musicians you could possibly be around. And that's what Berkeley was. was Before that, like, of the people your age, you were probably like above and beyond better than anyone else so that you maybe didn't feel challenged. But then when you went to school, and you were all of a sudden surrounded by all the, these yeah. really great people, you were like, Oh, I really need yeah. to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, could, I could really concentrate and really access all the years I spent my early years were really music, I dove in, you know, and then Around 12, I kind of lost, you know, a little bit of interest and got into skateboarding and getting out of the house because, you know, that's what you do when you're 13. Yeah, you know. stuff. So, uh, you know, right. meeting those guys was like, oh, wow, this is something different and I, and I feel challenged. And I, I like that feeling. I like to get better and... and, and spoke your language. I like you know. to push myself, you know, and being around people that are, are very you know musically advanced helped me push myself well you had some amazing early influences and amazing experiences and how lucky to have these two parents that love and support you so much you know even to send you off to the wild knowing that you would never be the same but also knowing how important that would be for the rest of your career and that you've been able to take all of this and had such an incredibly fulfilling career already. So I know that all of the listeners are really going to enjoy listening to all of that and hearing about all of those early stories and where it began and also your parents, you know, all of their support in that. I'm curious, this has kind of been a common theme of our episodes lately as we're all craved for the live music that we love. What your thoughts are on the kind of current state of live music. Actually, you know, I, w I wish that this area had the kind of music scene that Denver has mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. now. Uh, we, we need something like a Cervantes, yeah. 
to yeah. perform live. There's nothing like that here. You know, uh, we, offer to play at we have a little, a little jazz club or a, a little smaller clubs, but you have to be socially distant and yeah. there isn't really a lot of no space. space for that. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you know, I w it would be nice to have something like that. Yeah, if anyone's listening out there right. that wants to invest in a very big music <laughs> venue in Nyack, New York, <laughs> there. there you go. Hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me up. We're just finding an open space that is properly inspected. You know, I feel like, you know, why are no other states doing this? I don't hear about anyone else playing. And I, and I have to give credit to Scott for, like, involving the health officials and doing that and, and getting them involved and having them come and, and inspect it. And, uh, and then other clubs started to follow suit. And Break Science just played the Aggie Theater, which is a giant theater. And we had about 40 to 50 people in there. And it was great. It was amazing. And as long as it's done right. And um, I'm just curious. I, I wonder how proactive people should be right now in other states by, you know, going to that big venue that's sitting there with a, that's mm. closed and going, hey, we're going to throw mm. an event here for 40 people and, you know, making it happen and involving the health officials to come through and inspect and having the tables and chairs and the sound. And, you know, it's, it's, I've been telling Nigel to do that in New Orleans. I'm like, what about all these, what about Tipitina's? And like, why are you not doing every Sunday at Tipitina socially distant? Sure. You know, he's like, oh, I don't know. No one's calling me for the gig. Maybe if you'd be a little practical. Yeah, come from you. Yeah. Yeah. Hit up Stanton, you know. Stanton owns it now. He's, he's mm -hmm. big with yeah. that. You know, I don't know so. why everyone's not doing that, but I'm just thankful to be here where that's happening. And I get to, yeah. you know, be in this oasis. That was Keller Williams advice. Um, he was our, I think our last guest or two guests ago. And he said, like everyone do whatever you can to make music happen. If you're a fan and you have a, like a big yard and you live somewhere warm right now, like, can you have a concert there? Do you own a big warehouse somewhere that's just like empty and you can maybe like have a show there. So it's kind of, you really have to be creative and like fight for live music to still happen in whatever way that is you can. Yeah. Our neighbor, right, our neighbor around the corner, uh, Jen had, had a live band uh, recently. Yeah. In her backyard. Yeah. They were alive. I think they're called dead meat. Or something dead like meat, that. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they do a lot of grateful <laughs> dead covers, that kind of stuff. They did yeah. some meters covers too. I we think. heard them on our yeah. house. Nice, loud and clear. So we're, <laughs> We're about four houses away from her. Yeah. <laughs> it was great, though. It was no, great it was to hear fabulous. live music. Yep. Yeah. People having a great time. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. We were invited yep. there, but I don't know. We were too tired. <laughs> well, you and, you, and you could hear it from your window. Exactly. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, props to Jen and, and props to Scott Morrell, yeah. you know, who, who took the initiative to make that happen. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I live outside of San Francisco, yeah. and, you know, there's nobody so far doing it in the – the in-person venues and, you know, luckily in California, we have good weather. Um, but like they're, they're drive-in mm. shows now. And actually I'm going to see a show at Terrapin uh, tomorrow and Saturday. Um, I love Terrapin. But it's different, you know, so like in that show, and I was wondering about the indoor shows cause you, you mentioned the tables. So does everybody kind of have to like, cause I was thinking, well, yeah, you could have 40 people in there, but if 40 people are all, you know, as close to the stage as they can get, then that's not really, that's not allowed. Yeah. Um, there's security is well aware that the tables, people that come in together, it's like usually a group mm -hmm. of three or four friends and sit at a table 
and they're not allowed to uh, yeah. roam around. You know, if they start jumping from table to table or getting near oh, the yeah. stage, there, uh, you know, security guard comes out mm-hmm. and says, "Go back to your table." You know, and that's that's a very important part of it. You know, um, it has to be regulated because people have a few drinks and they want to go mm-hmm. say hi to a friend over there and they want to go there. You know, and they need to be told you need to go back to your table. You know, in yeah. a nice way. You know, so. Uh, yeah, we've been having shows like that. There's a place called Zen Barn um, right outside of Burlington that's been having indoor shows, and um, they call them party pods. So there's like little four to eight person. Required to wear masks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're not like eating or oh, drinking, right. you're but, wearing a mask, yeah, and you you're not supposed to move around. And same yeah, same, same rules. Yeah, yeah. Terrapins doing the same thing. It's two people a table, and they have a square like marked around it, and so you have to stay within your square. Um, unless you're like going to the bathroom or I guess going to get a drink, but masks all the time. Like if you're drinking, you literally have to like pull it down and drink and then put it right back up. So they're, they're really strict. Wow. Oh, I look forward to the day when we don't have to do that anymore. Is there anything else that you want to share about what we talked about or something else? Or if there's like a thought on your mind or an unfinished thought, now's your time. Well, Adam and I recently collaborated on a song. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Uh, Adam uh, wrote this fantastic anthem-like song with a kind of Caribbean reggae vibe. And uh, he came up with a great concept for the, uh, for the title and wrote, we wrote some, you know, wrote some melody on the title and asked me to, you know, come up with some, yeah, some lyrics absolutely. for the verses and melody um, and a bridge. So I completed that a couple of weeks ago, we're hoping. You can do something with that at some yeah, point. When it comes out, let us know, and we'll do a group therapy dance, like group dance party on Zoom to the song with everybody. Oh yeah, you're gonna like it. It's got the it's got the Irie vibes. Yeah. Do you guys ever? Do you get to play together very often anymore? Holidays. Yeah, holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a continual jam in my house when I'm home. It's, uh, we eat mm. and then we work off the meal with, with the drums, you know, we have uh, three separate drum stations. We have one drum set here in the corner, we have another set there, then we have the percussion set up, which is like, you know, the kungas, timbales, bells, all kinds of stuff. And we take turns of switching from drums to percussion and until mm-hmm. we're sweating <laughs> and we want to eat some dessert or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two years ago, we did a show, it was my band did a show at the uh, adjoining club to the Capitol Theater, I think it's called Garcia's, yeah. and uh, Adam played drums, and you know Denise plays percussion in, in that band. I'm up front with the keys, and you know I, we did all original material that I wrote, and it was a lot of fun. We you know we had some some great sit-ins with us too, uh, you know from her we had Jeff the the, the singer her H E R, Jeff Gittleman, who's her producer. Um, who else did we have? Fuzz? We had we had Fuzz Giovanni. Even on a blackout. Yeah, San Giovanni, Fuzz San Giovanni. Right. From Deep and Out of Blackout, mm-hmm. we had Shira, Shira Elias from uh, Turquoise with us, and uh, it was uh, it was a uh, it was just a, fun a, night. a real labor of love. We really yeah. had a great time that. Night. And Scott flew you out to Denver to to play at Cervantes with. That's right. right. With, his, with, Bobby with Dave Reese and and yeah. uh, Tosh, you know, Natasha oh. DeMarco and yeah. And Shmeen's played guitar. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, Shmeen's Matt. Yeah. Matt Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was great. That was really a lot of fun. I may be an only yeah. child, but I got a lot of brothers and sisters. <laughs> That's awesome. I, know, I have God. news. I, I got an offer for a lettuce streaming gig in uh, oh. in D.C. It's Ooh. our first gig since the quarantine. Mm. Yeah, I was checking your website to see when you guys were playing, but yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, like we have one thing and it's a stream only. There's no audience. And uh, it's in this beautiful place in in D.C. So I'm going to fly to D.C. And it's after Thanksgiving. Well, I know we're all going to be looking forward to the official announcement for that. And in the meantime, you're playing all kinds of live music around Denver. I I got a rehearsal uh, coming. They're all coming over here right now. It's uh, Benny from Lettuce. Dom from Big Gigantic, who's an amazing sax player. Um, they're huge. You know, and then Borum from Break Science. And my friend Hunter, who plays jazz bass. So great bass player. Yeah, so we, we have a, a group, you know, that we've, we're doing three nights this weekend with that group. And uh, I wrote a bunch of original tunes that they got to learn. We'll see how much they still yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It'll be fun. <laughs> the whip. I'd love to see your excitement right. over that. <laughs> Take some it'll, it'll yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much. It's been such an honor. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. All right. Nice to meet you both. Great to meet you both. All right, everybody. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Oh my goodness, we are like the luckiest people to get to interview the three of them together. Like what a joy, what an amazing family. I know, yeah, their love and their connection. And I mean, just the fact that they're already inviting us into their family, like that felt so special. I could feel the love coming through the computer. Yeah, I could feel it so much too. And I know that the listeners are feeling it too. And you're kind of all like honorary members of their family too. It's okay with them, but I think that they would approve. Absolutely. Yeah, we are all part of the Deitch family. Yeah. So speaking of love, I kind of wanted to tie in the emotional experience that we talked about in music, you know, from their experiences, first experiences listening to music and then also playing music. So for the... Did you know? Music can offer the experience, and this is actually recorded music or live experience, can be a way for people to connect with emotions. And I talked a little bit about that in the interview itself. And I'm sure you guys know that, you know, and even Adam, as he was talking about, like, you know, listening to a song and really being healed by a song before he even started playing music, like just how amazing it is to be able to connect with music in that way. But the live music experience really takes it to a whole nother level because it's not just you that's experiencing that emotion. It's everyone around you. And so there's a book called Love by Barbara Fredrickson, who has done a lot of research on positive emotions and how important they are for our health. And so Barbara Fredrickson defines love as micro moments of connection between people. And she says that it's a stronger predictor of physical and mental health and lifespan than optimism or happiness. So the experience of those micro moments of connection between people, which we all know from our live music experiences, can be stronger predictors of physical and mental health and our lifespan. So we can live longer 
than just being optimistic or happy. And shared positivity, which she considers two or more people experiencing the same emotion, can have a greater impact on health than having the emotion alone. So, you know, as live music fans, we've had that experience so often where we're like feeling that joy or that love or any positive emotion. And we look over to the person next to us and they have that same smile on their face and they're moving their body in the same way. And without even saying anything, we know what we're feeling. And that can be so positive for our mental and our emotional health and also our lifespan. That all feels so good. And I feel like so loved just from hearing you talk about that love. I don't know. It just like got into every cell of my body. So thank you so much. I love learning all these things that I didn't know before. So thank you so much for that. And now we're going to talk about what you can do on a daily basis to cultivate some love for the Daily Jam. So for this week's Daily Jam, first, there's three parts of this. And the first is that you are going to show yourself some love. And there's lots of ways you can do that. And one of the ways you can feed yourself something that's really healthy to really like show yourself that you like, I love you and I want to treat you really well. Maybe it's getting a massage or going for a walk outside or looking at yourself in the mirror and saying what you love about yourself or there's so many different ways, but you're going to do something to show yourself that you love yourself. The second one is that you are going to show someone else that you love them. So you can call up a friend and tell them you love them. You can send a text to someone and tell them that you love them. You can buy someone a gift. Um, You're just going to do something to show somebody else that you love them. And then the third one is you are going to show the world that you love the world. And you can do that in many ways. Maybe it's starting a compost bin to show the world that you love it. Maybe it's donating to a cause that really helps and and benefits the world. Maybe it's stopping and saying a prayer for the world or breathing for the world or doing a dance for the world, something that can raise the vibration and positive vibes of the whole planet. So showing the world some love. So those three are you're going to show yourself some love, you're going to show someone else some love, and you're going to show the world some love. Yay. Yeah. And they don't all have to be done at the same time. It can be, you know, over the period of a day or week or whatever that feels manageable. And if you want to share what you did, if you feel called, you can share it on our Instagram or you can share it on your own Instagram page and tag us. We're a Groove Therapy Podcast. Um, You do that in a story or a post. We just love to see it so we can see what you're doing. And then also you can go to Facebook to the Groove Therapy Podcast community and share what you did there as well so we can celebrate and love you up. Yeah. Show some love to you. That's right. Because as Tara Lee just described her feeling love by me talking about love, like that's what happens, you know, and it just and that's what happens in live music. You know, we're feeling the love and the band is feeling the love and it's coming back and it's going and it's just like this whole wave of love. And we all need that right now. So let's create our own wave of love through the Groove Therapy Podcast community. And one way that you could give love is to share this episode with a friend that might enjoy it too. Maybe they love 
the Deitches, or maybe they just love live music and they want to hear more about how it relates to health and healing. So that could be one of your share the loves with somebody else right there. Perfect. And then while you're on the page sharing this podcast, you can also subscribe to it so you know and you're up to date on all of our newest releases. And you could also listen to past ones if you haven't heard them yet. And we would be so grateful if you shared the love by also leaving us a review and a rating. We would really appreciate that a lot. Yeah, and that's how other people are going to find out about us too. So if you're really loving the Groove Therapy podcast, then some other people are really going to love it too. And if you leave a rating or a review, then it just helps other people to find it. So again, you're sharing the love. And we love you. Absolutely. And we hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Yes, thanks everybody for being here. We do love you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.